My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Micah about breakthrough adult onset epilepsy. Micah totally blew my mind with this story. He eventually had an RNS device implanted, which stands for Responsive Neurostimulation. This device sends shock waves to a targeted area of his brain where his seizure activity is believed to be emanating from. And these shock waves are basically counter pulses that are specifically designed to negate the electrical activity of his seizures and stop him from having symptoms. This implant was just put in a few months ago in August of 2022. The first month after his surgery, it was basically just being tuned, and then it was flipped on in September to start counteracting his seizures. And although this device is recording a lot of seizure activity in his brain, he hasn't had any outward seizure symptoms since then. RNS devices are typically implanted when the patient is resistant to medication. And Michael will tell us all about going through a ton of different medications, trying to find one that would effectively control his seizures. But Micah is super sensitive to medication, and he experienced a ton of negative side effects from this medication, including lack of appetite, fatigue, depression, and even suicidal thoughts. Micah is still taking the most effective of all the medications he tried with the fewest side effects, but he's hoping to pare down completely eventually now that he has his RNS device implanted. Micah has a history of radio, voiceover, and voice acting work, and he actually hosts his own podcast about epilepsy called Seizure Salad, which is one of my favorite podcast names I've ever heard. He's got an incredible voice. He's such a character, so fun to talk to. Uh, and his story is really remarkable. So it's made for just an absolutely incredible episode. So interesting, so much fun to listen to. I'm thrilled to be able to share it with you today, and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. As I mentioned, Micah has experienced some intense side effects from his epilepsy medication, including suicidal thoughts. And whenever something like this comes up on the podcast, I like to remind you that there are resources that you can reach out to if you are in a similar situation. If you're here in the United States, it's as simple as dialing 988, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. If you are in crisis and you need help, I hope you will reach out to that number. Oftentimes, just going through a medical crisis or medical situation of any kind can really lead people to a dark place mentally and emotionally. But on top of that, to have the side effects of medication lead you there is a real risk in a lot of situations. It's something that's not talked about enough. And because there's so much stigmatization around mental and emotional health in our society, it can be really difficult for people to seek care. I'm thrilled that the United States is now offering this new hotline number of 988 as the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. It's a great new resource, easy to remember, and it's available to you 24 hours a day. And one more quick content warning for this podcast is that it features salty language. So if that is something you are sensitive to, be forewarned. If you are enjoying this podcast, we absolutely need your support. And there's a lot of great ways to support this podcast, both financial and otherwise. You can learn all about it on our website at majorpainpodcast.com slash support. Learn about all the ways to support this podcast, including our ongoing Patreon campaign, signing up for research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice, leaving us positive ratings and reviews wherever you listen to our podcast, or just sharing the show with a friend. Special thank you to our Patreon producers who are supporting this show at the highest tier of $25 per month, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. 
Like I said, you can learn more at majorpainpodcast.com slash support. And you can also find links to our Patreon, Rare Patient Voice, our website. Everything you need to find is in the description of each podcast in the show notes. I'll remind you as always that my guests and I are not medical professionals. Please do not take any action based off what you hear on this show without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into Micah's incredible story about breakthrough adult onset epilepsy and his experiences so far with his implanted responsive neurostimulation device. Micah, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure to have a fellow podcaster on the show. Yes. Um, as we were mentioning earlier when we talked, it, it's I'm a little bit uh, not in my element because I'm being the one interviewed. Yeah. So this will be interesting. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Um, well, let's get to let's get to know you a little bit. We have so much to talk about today, uh, but let's give our listeners yeah. a sense of who you are. So, Micah, tell us a little about yourself. Well, um, I'm a Colorado boy, you know, fifth generation Colorado boy and uh, grew up in the mountains and, and the foothills between Golden and Central City, Colorado, um, gold mining area. So I came from a family of like miners and ranchers and and wildcat oilmen on my dad's side. And uh, yeah, just grew up with a love for it after i graduated high school and stuff i i took off and did a couple of years for my associates down in durango got in a hell of a lot of trouble too but that might be something for another episode <laughs> um and uh had a great time made some dear friends that i still talk to today finished up my degree uh at Colorado State University, started getting into radio and Durango and, and CSU and actually um, got my FCC broadcasting license back then. And it kind of combined my love of music and audio with my love of performing because mm -hmm. I was a theater and performing arts major as well. So got into radio down Durango back in 1998 after I graduated and got back from a walk about in Europe. And, and then I got offered a job um, up in Aspen. And so I decided what the hell let's go. And I went up there and, and that's where I started my radio and broadcasting world. Hmm. Um, and it was the perfect place because Glenwood Springs just down the Valley, which is, the one place you can afford to stay if you're working in Aspen back then. Um, they have that canyon and that the flat tops area above it is chock full of caves, big, beautiful caves. And I'm a caver, you know, being a miner growing up and then in college got, got with these cavers and I started caving and, uh, yeah, always been, always been backpacking and fly fishing and skiing and snowboarding uh that was just that's what you do as a colorado mountain boy right <laughs> um and so i got into radio and started getting into voiceover work like independent for commercials or on hold messages things like that uh and just went with it as a mountain boy 
I was in heaven. It was like I was able to live and make ends meet and still save money for missions, whether it's a snowboarding mission or a, or a backpacking mission or a caving mission or a rafting mission. Oh my God, we got great rafting. And I, I fell in love. I felt, I grew up falling in love with the outdoors, but then I found myself in a place where like I could do what I love and be able to do what I love for work. That's the dream. Um, it's a dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total dream. And I, I'd worked on various different, uh, radio stations throughout the Aspen and Vail and Glenwood Springs, Colorado area. I uh, started emceeing live events. I'm an announcer and an MC, and uh, I'm a pretty damn good one, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I got picked up by a voiceover talent agent, and, you know, things just started working between the radio and the MC work and the voiceover work. I was able to leave my second job, mm. which is unheard of in resort towns in in the mountain area of colorado it's unheard of but i was able to do it and i rocked it, it things were things were fucking great can i say that <laughs> yeah you there's no restrictions on this podcast okay okay i yeah. just want to make sure yeah because i can be salty sometimes yeah and energy so, gets the best of me <laughs> so from mm. what i know of your story i know that all that sort of changed once your health situation arose. So, Micah, what is your major pain? Oh, man. Uh, life changer. My major pain is breakthrough adult onset epilepsy. Wow. Breakthrough adult onset epilepsy. Um, and that sounds like, you know, it's sort of self-explanatory. I'm an adult. Suddenly I have uh, epilepsy breaking through. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and you're so right. It's in fact, patients, epileptic patients get confused because different neurologists will call it different things. Mm. And it's still so new and unknown that things get confusing. Yeah. I grew up being misdiagnosed with ADHD, bipolar, or anxiety, or I mean, you name it. It, it was there. Oh, your kid's a good student. He's there, this and that, but he spaces out. And I don't know, man. Sometimes he gets really manic in, in class. Hmm. What's going on? And luckily, my mom was, um, my folks were mountain hippies. <laughs> yeah. They were like, no, I'm not putting my kid on drugs. I don't know what the fuck those things do. Wow. Interesting. And so, I was really lucky in that regard because I was misdiagnosed. I was completely misdiagnosed. Do you think you were having seizures as a child? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. That, I I didn't know this. This is so... In okay. So your doctors see you space out and maybe you're having like a partial aware seizure or something where you're just like suddenly not there and they uh -huh. assume that it's some sort of behavioral issue when in fact you may be having like a, a seizure. Right. Wow. And also, in fairness to those doctors, I will say that the majority of knowledge of like partial seizures and 
focal seizures and focal wares, focal impaired. They had no clue of that Mm. in the 70s and early 80s. I mean, to them, a seizure was if you drop down and you start convulsing. Yeah. Like a grand mal generalized breakthrough seizure. Um, so I can't really fault them for that. Sure. The sure. knowledge. Yeah. The, the knowledge wasn't there. Uh, my younger brother went through the same thing. It's kind of funny. His seizures fully broke through at age 22. And that was years ago, you know, late eighties, early nineties. And they still didn't have a lot of the information or technology that they have today. My seizures faded out when I was in my early mid twenties and really didn't have a problem with it until they fully broke through April 2nd, 7 40 AM of 2019. I went out for morning stretch, a sun salutation and boom, next thing I know, 25 minutes later, the girl I was dating was untangling me from a metal bike rack that I had fallen backwards into. Wow. Tore it, yeah, tore every muscle in my shoulders and my back. And I, I had to go through a bunch of shit for that. The neurology department in the mountains, they couldn't do anything. They didn't know. They threw me a bunch of different drugs. None of them worked. And it was not. It wasn't traumatic brain injury. It wasn't injury associated. It wasn't fever. It was random out of the blue. So they had no clue how to treat this. And that's when I got referred back to Denver. This seizure that happened uh, in 2019, it sounds like maybe you kind of don't remember it. You were just there doing your sun salutations in the morning and then you just blacked out. You wake up with your back hurting, sprawled across a bike rack. Is that what happened? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And what about when you were a kid? Did you remember, do you have any memories of being a kid and having what you think were likely seizures back then? Or is that blank as well? Oh, no, no, no. Those, those were different too. I, I don't ever remember going through that type of grand mall that I did, um, April 2nd of 2019. And, and afterwards yeah no when i was younger they were more of vertigo and and out of body type experiences um at night my seizures happen nocturnally mostly and i'd have night terrors where it's really hard to describe yeah uh but yeah leaving your body growing bigger than your surrounding environment and not knowing how to deal with it. Like you grow your, your consciousness grows so large and the surface, the earth, the, the foundation is too small to handle it or vice versa. Sometimes I felt like I would astral project when I was little, like people talk about astral projection. Um, That's just an extreme, extreme case of out of body experiences. Now, I don't want to discount um 
anyone going through a spiritual type of this. I mean, I'm not going to say, I don't know. I don't know the evidence, but might be possible, you know, as far as, you know, the healers and the travelers and things like that, the people who astral project and then charge people money to teach them. (laughs) What did you feel was happening when you were a kid and these incidents would occur? I had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I honestly, I had no clue. I didn't have the, I didn't have the most stable foundation as a child. It was kind of whacked out. Um, so it wasn't like I had like answers or support to like follow up on that. So my whole thing honestly was I chalked it up to extraterrestrial or, or, quote unquote magic you know Mm -hmm. what i mean you just felt like you were connected to something sort of otherworldly that there was no answer to yeah wow that's so interesting okay so then you put it then you become an adult these things fade away in your 20s and then how how long was it until you fully uh broke these seizures started to break through the last intense episode i remember was when i was like 22 yeah like when i was young and and how and old again, were you when your when your breakthrough happened? Forty seven. Forty seven. Okay, so this is like a distant memory. It's like twenty five, almost thirty years later. Um, yeah. And and then all of a sudden you have a grand mal seizure. <laughs> and I, I know we're skipping around in your story a little bit, but once you once you finally got diagnosed and knew you were having seizures, did you then start to kind of reconsider your childhood with a new, fresh understanding? You nailed it right wow. there, Jesse. When I got referred to Denver, UC Health and Shoot Center, one of the greatest neurological treatment centers in America, maybe even the world. They're amazing. And I got hooked up with an incredible uh, doctor and his team through exploration, basically through questions and answers. And of course they could have been programming me, (laughs) but it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I did backup research. I I followed up in different, you know, uh, sections and articles and stuff to, to verify what they were telling me. Um, But it's not necessarily, it's not common but it's not necessarily unusual for people to have seizures when they're young and then it fades out Mm -hmm. and then it comes back. Now, one thing they propose, which has some validity to it, is that the male brain normally fully develops around 25, right? And then you go on this lifetime of, of, hormones and and energy and then you hit your middle age and when your metabolism starts to slow down boom it can come back Mm. so that's what they're thinking yeah so walk me through your diagnostic process did they run a bunch of tests and was it a pretty quick immediate diagnosis like hey i'm glad (laughs) you're here in denver you have epilepsy what was it fast or was it like a drawn out process Oh, Lord, I wish it was fast. No, it was so drawn out. It was so drawn out. Yeah. What was it like? It was scary at first. 
and very frustrating. Um, up in Glenwood, their neurology department, no offense to anyone I might know, but they suck. And they just threw drugs at me until they realized that my case was way out of their comfort zone. And they forwarded me to Denver. I went to Denver. I met this amazing doctor who's like one of the heads of the neurology department and he asked me a series of questions kind of like what we had discussed uh just before this and it's uh yeah he was like i'll bet you have some kind of genetic type of epilepsy probably starting either in your frontal lobe or your hippocampus boom 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 and he was proven right Mm. a couple years later but it started out like that and they just threw drugs at you they throw drugs throw drugs throw drugs and as soon as they realize that you're refractory or intractable uh which means that your epilepsy doesn't respond to the seizure medication the anti-seizure medication um then we got to explore other treatments Okay. I went through 14 different uh, anti-seizure medications in three years, three and a half years. Wow. In countless, countless combinations and, you know, degrees that combine two or three different drugs sometimes. Um, None of them worked. And most of them gave me horrible, horrible side effects. I'm very sensitive to pharmaceuticals were you having seizures that whole time oh yeah wow oh yeah how often were they happening well okay thank you that's just what i was going to mention it's it's summer some drugs kept them away for maybe a month two months some drugs were absolutely useless uh but because of my sensitivities I was highly prone to experience those side effects that they always warn you about Mm -hmm. the depression, the, you know, the suicidal ideation, things like that. I've been battling that for the last four years. It's the diet, the diarrhea, the um, homicidal thoughts that might come up once in a while. I'm like, why the fuck are they even prescribe this to people? Yeah, like you watch those pharmaceutical commercials and it's like everyone out there on the beach living their happy life and then they get to the the fine print and someone speaks really fast and it's this list of things that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy and it's like, wait, you want me to take this drug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy, wait a minute, for all the happy people on the beach, there's one guy over here that is ready to eat people's feet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you i don't know you're yeah. and that'd be me <laughs> i don't want to be that guy yeah i never want yet so i went through tons and tons of different drugs and and different combinations of drug cocktails and none of it worked and finally they were like okay let's go uh you are a possibility we might be able to surgically mm. uh fix this and these days it's not just a a lobotomy remember that old song i'd rather have a bottle in front of me than have a frontal lobotomy (laughs) 
You got to look it up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Of course, they do EEG studies and MRIs and, and CAT scans and um, EEG studies where they send you in the hospital for a week and they put patches all over your head to try and capture uh, possible seizures. Mm-hmm. They give you light treatments and sleep deprivation and all sorts of stuff. And um, yeah, th- my second one worked, but then they were like, okay, this is deep brain. We can't find exactly the source. This is deep brain. So then a couple of years later, year and a half later, I went in and they phase two sleep study this sucker is badass they drilled holes and like oil rigs they put in electric probes in 14 different parts of my brain yeah some people get more some people need less uh but 14 was my magic number so they put 14 probes into my deep brain and wired them up to this machine and i stayed in the uh the care unit floor for like 30 days 28 28 days actually it was so a whole month i so when you say deep brain so we we talked about something similar with uh, tiffany when we talked about epilepsy about a year ago um and she had a procedure where they put some probes like right under her skull kind of like right on top of the brain when you say deep brain, are they going deeper than that? Are they like dr- like oil rig drilling down into your deep brain to put probes in there to capture imaging of what's happening? I'd say both, yes, um, because it's a very good possibility that her doctors um, were confident that her seizures came from the surface level mm-hmm. or, or the outer temporal lobes, whether it left or right. Uh, my doctors, based off of previous sleep studies, noticed that my seizures are occurring deeper below, like deeper than those frontal lobes. Yeah. Okay. And so the only way to get them marked and solid was to drill deeper. <laughs> what What are the risk factors of that? That sounds insanely dangerous. It does, but uh, apparently it's not a big deal. It's these days, this kind of procedure is pretty fucking common. Wow. And yeah, yeah, I said I had a great time. I mean, I got it. <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> deny it sounds morbid, but I'm 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 like that. It's <laughs> I always try to look at the positive yeah. and bring out the best of what I'm going through. And I provided an area in that unit where the nurses could come and hang out. You know, they they made a point when they knew I wasn't like high priority, like dangerous or anything like critical. They were like, oh, we'll make you the last one so we can come in, hang out a little bit, help you exercise because they had a little bike trainer thing for me. And my older brother sent me a mini cornhole game with this like catapult launcher (laughs) for your thumb. And so the nurses would come and make me last so they could play a round with me on cornhole and just kind of wind down a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) So 
I was, yeah, I was emotional and mental relief. <laughs> <laughs> so what did they find when they, when they did this uh, deep brain exploration? I finally seized the last couple days that I was in there. I could have stayed longer, but I said, no, I'm done. And of course, as soon as I say that, my brain says, okay, let's seize. And they found on the very last day, I seized hard and mm. went down for like five minutes. And they found uh, random uh, discharges from various parts of my head. But the main culprit, the main culprit that they found was the hippocampal area in the right hippocampus. So they know now that that is the main point of my big seizures hmm. after that they had a vote because i have like 12 different people on my um neuro team and out of the 11 that were there um one guy voted to just take out my hippocampus altogether. together <laughs> uh two people voted to um install a deep brain stimulator that just shoots out a pulse to the rat, the whole brain all at once. And then eight of the team, eight out of the 11, voted for uh, an RNS, a responsive neurostimulator. And they implant it. And oh, it's amazing, dude. It's amazing. <laughs> so you've had that done. You've had this RNS implanted. Yes. And you pointed yes, it to your, the... at your right temple. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. It's just behind the right temple. And what they did was they cut out space in the skull and installed a tray to hold the device. And it's flush mounted onto my onto my skull. So you really can't feel it. Wow. And um, they put the little device in there. And this device, the for the first month, after they put it in for the first month, it just collects data all your seizure activity all your all your odd wavelengths and brave uh brain waves things like that and, and uh then after that first month they take the data and program the device to counteract any seizure activity that the data collected right and it matches it to the frequency, the hertz, the amplitude. I mean, it's like a fingerprint match to this seizure wave and it directly targets it, targets it toward that um, area of your brain. So it's wow. not sending a, a shock to the whole thing. It's sending a shock to the specific area that it's programmed for. And it detects it within milliseconds and counters it and stops it before it can manifest physically. Wow. Okay. That is crazy. That's making me think of, you know, like the way that sound works. So, you know, you and I are both uh -huh. audiophiles. We both do recording. Um, and something a lot of people yes. don't know is that if you have, you have to play something back in speakers um, for this to happen. It's called phase cancellation. Um, if you're playing audio back in speakers and you have two sound sources that are very very similar but maybe at a different 
but their but their phase is inverted. You know, like if you think of a sine wave, I think that's the most classic representation of audio. It's just a wave that goes right. like there's a center line and then a wave goes above the center line and then below the center line and back up and then down below. Um, and if you have two of those and one starts going up, but the other one starts going down and they're both playing back through the same speakers, the speaker can't create sound. Uh, it'll, it'll cancel this sound out. And if those things are the exact same sound source and they're perfectly in sync, but they are at opposite phases, then the speakers will just not move because they're trying to go in and out at the same time. So this is something yes. we learned about, you know, when I learned audio production back in college, when you are mixing things, if you mix in headphones, you can't hear phase cancellation because you have these headphones sitting on your ears and they're, they're actually feeding the sound straight into your ears. But if you play it in a speaker, uh, then that sound that's trying to play into the room, um, you know, like perfect phase cancellation will also cancel in headphones, but that almost never happens. Usually phase cancellation is not perfect. Right. It's something that when you're mixing, it's like, wow, why did my bass sound source just disappear? Um, or it's like way quieter on these speakers than it is in my headphones. It's because once that sound gets into the room, it's not just canceling in speakers. It can cancel in the air. Like sound waves are actual physical things that are moving towards you and they can actually cancel each other out so that you won't hear something that you should. So it sounds like this is a similar right. technology where they are measuring your the, the electrical impulses of your brain of the seizures and then generating a phase canceled version of that or an opposite phase version of that to cancel out that electricity that is sensational i've never heard of that before that's that's insane that that's even possible exactly i'm actually mind you know at first i was like oh this is really badass but the more i learned about it it, it was one of those rare products where it was like the more i learn about it the more i'm impressed hmm. and the more I'm loving this. This is going to continue. Not only does it send out the counter pulses, but it's still collecting data on other possible sources for seizure activity that we can combat. So this is this. I don't give a fuck that I don't get to go through airport security or you know, I mean, there are certain things I got to stay away from because of this, but oh my God, rather than play Russian roulette with a bunch of fucking seizure meds or rat, this is direct. This is what I understand. Kind of like what you were talking about when we had talked about, you know, we're both audio guys and I understand this. Hmm. I get this. And it works. It works. Okay. It works. How, how well does it work? So you, when did you have this procedure done? How long ago? Okay. I had the implant operation August 24th um, of 2022. So this just and, happened a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. And what, yeah, what has the change is, been in your seizure activity since then? Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned this. Um, I had light auras on sets, what some people call and uh then five days before they programmed me for the first time five days prior i had a huge seizure face planted looked like i got in a bar fight two black eyes huge goose egg on my forehead oh. friction burns from convulsions and uh but they caught that my device caught that 
and sent it to my doctors. And my when I went in, they were that's when they tuned it to combat those seizures. Mm. And those happen to be my major ones, right? So they tuned it September 26th. The seizure was September 21st. I have not had a significant seizure since September 21st. Wow, the listeners can't hear my eyes pop open in surprise. (laughs) (laughs) This is wild. Okay. So it works. It's, um, I mean, we're only a few months works. in, but, but that's like, that's incredible. Um, how many different types yeah. of seizures have you recorded having? Like that's, so those big ones, that's a grand mal seizure, right? Right. Tonic-clonic. Um, the new term is generalized seizures. And okay. that's when, for me, it starts in, in the right hippocampus. And then if it doesn't get treated, or if it gets out of control, it'll spread to the rest of my brain. Okay. And that's when it's a generalized seizure. And that's when it goes grand mal, tonic-clonic, convulsive, things like that. Okay. And, and have you had other types yeah. recorded, like partial seizure, seizures? I don't know all the terminology. I mean, I'm I'm just a podcaster <laughs> over here. And but- <laughs> it changes. It changes every 10 years. Sure. It makes it a pain <laughs> in the ass to try and keep track of, yeah. honestly. Yeah, focal seizures with impaired awareness, focal focal seizures with partial awareness, focal seizures with awareness. Those are the main types that I've had. I've also had absence seizures in my in in my past and things like that. I'm not getting any of those right now. Wow. So uh, you haven't had any yeah. seizures at all since this device was tuned. No. That's crazy. No. You're you're like a cyborg now. <laughs> You've got this device in your head that's like rewiring your brain and it's working. This is crazy. <laughs> right. I I am being assimilated. Wow. Um, I, I know from listening to your podcast that your life was just completely flipped upside down by this. Can you tell us about just, you know, you're, you're right around turning 50 and all of a sudden you can't drive yourself. You can't go caving. You can't do all these, you know mountain boy things that you've been doing your whole life what what was that like oh man um my god how do i describe it it was it was demoralizing it was it was heartbreaking honestly it was heartbreaking we attach ourselves and our self-identity to certain things you know i'm a broadcaster i'm a caver i'm a snowboarder and i didn't realize how much that actually affects the way we think about ourselves until I lost everything. Mm. It, it, it was like, who, who do you have left? What are you after you don't have this? And my voiceover work was blossoming. I lost it. And after the pandemic, everything changed because everybody had to build home studios. And so I'm behind on that. The camera work, I don't even know yet if I'm able to get on it because of photography and the lights and the possible optical triggers. Hmm. Um, There's a lot, there's a lot. And being 50 years old and not being able to drive, having to have your son drive you, um, losing everything i think this is a big thing especially in america 
we are taught that you need to be self-sufficient, that you need to be independent and successful and all this stuff. And, and so when shit like this happens, you almost feel like a failure, like a failure. And it's really hard not to disassociate yourself from like the causality of it. It's like, you didn't cause yourself to have epilepsy, dude. Keep reminding yourself that, but it's hard. It's hard. Absolutely. And that's a very common shared experience among any sort of diagnosis, you know, that feeling of feeling like it's your fault because it's your body. When it's not your fault, right. there's nothing you can do. I, I've had some experience with this as well. And I've recently started improving because we might have a potential diagnosis. And I've started driving again. I didn't drive for like six years. Uh, and I, you know, wow. when, when, when COVID happened and everyone goes into lockdown and everyone starts to kind of go through this grappling of self, I was like, yeah, I've been doing this for years already, you know? Um, <laughs> what did you learn about yourself through that process? Because that's the, the other side to this is that everyone kind of, says, well, I don't know who I am anymore. And then you have to start to kind of figure it out and you start to learn things about yourself that you wouldn't yeah. expect. What did you learn? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, number one, I agree with you completely. And you had a little head start on me, but I was 10 months ahead of the pandemic as far as yeah. being shut down. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean by <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, welcome to the uh, club, everyone. <laughs> everyone, right. Uh, but what did I learn about myself? Um, you know, this is a great question. I learned that no matter how bad I might feel about my situation in the immediate moment, and no matter how badly I beat myself up a lot, because I'm way overly critical, I realized that I have a lot more positivity and faith than I gave myself credit for. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, I was always that dark guy is like, give me the Grinch, give me nightmare before Christmas, blah, blah, blah. But I realized that I wasn't the guy to lay down and give up, you know, whether it's super positivity or being a fucking major asshole and fight until the end. That I I had those two choices, but the choice of laying down wasn't there. So I realized that I have a hell of a lot more resilience than I gave myself credit for. Wow. And I also realized that I'm I make a difference to other people. And this is something I think people like us need to remember that we do make a difference for other people somebody somewhere has been inspired by what I'm going through or what I've done. And so don't discount that. Just that little thing means you made a difference in this overall crazy, complex, random universe. Yeah. And that means something. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. So now that you haven't had a seizure in months, you have this new device in your head What does that mean for the future? Is it too early to tell? Are you able to drive again? Are you able to do more or, or how has that changed? Good question. I, I'm able to do more, I feel, and I've gained a certain confidence after the last four months, knowing that this thing is working and collecting data and countering the known seizures. I know that this is something that could work for me. Uh, 
it gives me hope that I can get off of the seizure medication because the seizure medication is horrible. Mm. It's absolute suicidal thoughts, lack of appetite, depression, fatigue, drowsing. It's just blah. So with this device, knowing that it's going gives me confidence that I can start paring down maybe even a little earlier than the, than the doctors would prefer because I have faith in it. And I have faith in myself that if something does happen, it's okay. Cause the device is going to record that. Mm. And next time I go in, Boom. And this is one of the little arguments I had with my doc too, was he's like, well, be safe. You know, we want you to be seizure free. And I'm like, yeah, but I want it to work and be effective. So I don't rely on pharmaceuticals. So let's, let's send it. Let's set in the charge. I'll just cut off meds all the way and we'll have a rodeo, (laughs) but then we can record the rodeo and program it on the next tune up. Right. That's my thought. Doctor doesn't see eye to eye. <laughs> yeah. Wh- which uh, seizure medication did you settle on after trying, you know, scores of different medications? Which one worked the best? None of them really worked the best. Um, but I chose Vimpat, which the uh, general, the, the general uh, version is lacosamide. And I chose that because it has the least amount of bad side effects hmm. out of the bunch. Yeah. Still not perfect. But helpful. It sounds like horrible side effects. We don't want to need it. But but it sounds like it was maybe turning down the amount or maybe the level of the seizure activity. Yeah. And I can't deny that. I mean, as much as, much as I can diss all these meds and stuff, uh, it's my particular uh, status. You know, I'm more sensitive than most to meds. And I'm intractable in my epilepsy, which means none of the meds I've tried have been 100% effective. I still get seizures. Uh, so this doesn't work for everybody. I mean, everyone's different. Everyone's got different genes, different hormones. They metabolize differently. So different drugs are going to work better or worse for different people. Uh, I, I just put that out there because I don't want to you know, be a spokesman or, or a pundit for anything uh, that may not treat everyone. But I, I, I can say, I can say I'd prefer to be off all of them. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, you're working towards that potentiality that there, it is a possibility with oh, yeah. this device. What do you have to avoid? Mm-hmm. You said, you know, airport security, you know, if you walk too close to a magnet, is it gonna like mm-hmm. turn off your 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 cyborg implant? It can, or it can damage it mm. tremendously. So, uh, you know, going into a public building that has uh, security, you know, going through the medical metal detectors, I can't go through medical metal detectors. Mm-hmm. I can't go through most of airport security. Even those wands have strong enough magnets that they can fuck up my head so they can do a quick search of my body but this is uh, and i have a card i have a card with contact information of my epileptologist and it says you know rns neuropace device model 320 this is not safe you know you can really hurt 
I can get hurt by going through certain areas that have too much electromagnetic interference. Power stations. I can't hang out too long around electrical power stations because there's too much that can basically fuck up my device. And all this stuff is invisible. (laughs) You're like running from all these invisible things. Yeah. So I'm running. (laughs) I love how you put that. Yeah. Running from invisible things. Exactly, dude. Big magnets. I can't get too close to speakers, Hmm. which is kind of crazy because being an MC and announcer and and a radio guy and a voice actor. So it's like I had to clear with them. It's like I have studio grade mic like headphones and studio monitors. Are those magnets safe? So when I go on stage, are the PAs and the soundboard going to be safe with me? Mm. Um, but if you're if you talk openly with your doctors and the people from Neuropace who have great customer service and support, um, you get the answers. You know, it's like boom, I'm okay. I'm okay to get on stage. That's not enough EMI to fuck with my device. Is there, if if so, if you're around something that does, you know, hurt the device in some way, is there like a repair process? Do you have to go in for surgery to have it repaired? Most likely. Wow. That's so yeah, wild. I, like, it's not like, you know, data from Star Trek. You just push a button and his head opens and you can like, you know, <laughs> Jordy can mess with what's inside. At anytime something <laughs> happens with this device, like I'm assuming you have to go in for a battery change every once in a while, like a pacemaker. They have to do surgery yep. to do any sort of adjustments or tune-ups. I mean, but but all the the transmission of data, I'm assuming, happens wirelessly. Um, do you know right. what platform that uses? Is it Bluetooth? It is Bluetooth. What the, wow. what they have a? I was given a dedicated laptop with a monitoring wand <laughs> wand that looks like an old '80s fucking phone, right? Yeah. And you put it over where the device is in your head and it uploads all the brain information into this dedicated laptop, which is shared with the patient. Um, It's you and your doctor and it's it's your medical portal. This gives you all the brainwave information that you've been going on throughout the life of this RNS device. So it's the only program on the laptop. It's this little wand. You upload it, and there you go. So, do you have to? <laughs> I I just got a, uh, a like a smartwatch uh, fitness tracker recently, and I know that it hooks to my phone. Um, I don't know if it's wireless, uh, like Wi-Fi or through Bluetooth. I think it's through Bluetooth, and it will just like transfer data. So you know if I. I've been able to start exercising recently with my health improvements and I've been tracking that with this fitness tracker, which has been really handy. Um, and then when I, like, if I go for a jog, I'll get home and then I'll open up the app and I'll have to like sync the app. Uh, and it will like upload the data from my jog. Um, is that kind of what it's like where you're just like having to sync and upload data or is it all just, are you, it's all just happening automatically. This laptop, it's got one program on it. You got this wand and, you know, do you have to do like regular data retrieval or how does that work? 
every day every, every day. day so it's kind of a hybrid of what you're talking about i know what you're talking about i have one of those aura rings oh you got the thing yeah gave me for I, christmas i read about those yeah yeah interesting yeah right check like raise your heart rate and and steps and stuff and it's just a ring that's so cool right it's very similar to like a fitbit or or what have you and yeah um so i have that and it does give me good information of on what's going on but the wanding thing is totally different i still don't completely understand i see some of the results and some of the notes the after visit notes and everything and it's like wow okay so now my big seizures my breakthroughs are are controlled but there's like little discharges that happen and one of my reports showed that they were seeing 792 daily events less than 30 seconds of these little discharges mm. and my team is ever since the sleep study they were like what the fuck is this <laughs> and it's it's still kind of a mystery um but in order to keep my device from hitting every time he put in different like exclusions and rules hmm. into it that okay if this little discharge don't worry about it if it amps up then hit it with a with a counter pulse so and when he makes changes like that does he just hold like program it and hold up this wand to your head and it transfers the info this is crazy i've never heard anything like this before you're just blowing my mind today yeah it's so fun he though. has his <laughs> oh my god dude, dude i'm my mind is blown yeah. this was after after a few years of of going through the drug route and the yeah blah blah lobotomy this and that bullshit, and hearing what my younger brother went through 25 years prior it was like what the hell and then this came about and it's like what i'm i am beyond satisfied with what's going on wow and i not only for myself but for other people like i gave my you know i signed my release for studies it's like share my information because the more people learn about this then the better chance that other people will be able to go through this shit and and improve quicker um it's not for everybody some people who have multiple sources of seizures or they don't know where the seizures are coming from or they're just full-blown generalized then an rns isn't going to work that's when you go deep brain stimulation or vagus nerve stimulation um i'd say deep brain i was given the chance to go vagus nerve where they don't even go into the brain they just set a pulse in the vagus nerve which goes to the brain from the spine uh but the vagus nerve stimulation uh, fucks up your voice and it gives you squeaks and makes you cough occasionally. And I was straight up adamant. This is my voice is what I do for a living. Yeah. You know, and I mean, your I voice can't. is amazing. You, you got a great voice for, you know, you got a great face for radio. <laughs> I'm not saying this as the, as a, <laughs> as an insult, but you got a great voice for radio um yeah thank you <laughs> wow this is so wild so it's been almost four years since this journey with your adult onset seizures began 
And it sounds like you're in a, the most exciting place with it that you've been in since it started, where something is happening that is working. Uh, is there like a sense of relief or is it, are you still processing? This is all very new. I mean, how does that feel? You know, um, I'm right in between that sense of relief and still processing. Yeah. It was a huge, yeah, it was a huge relief at first, but then once, once that physical side, the side that most of us think about is like the main thing. Once that started getting better, I quickly realized that there's the emotional, mental, and psychological fallout mm. from such a traumatic event. And I, I thought I was ready, <laughs> but I learned real quick that I have more work to do. And, you know, I've got memory issues now that I didn't have before. Mm. I have focus issues now that I didn't have before. So I need to work on finding ways to, to work with that, to deal with that. Um, it was so easy before, but my brain hadn't been rattled by 10,000 fucking mental earthquakes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think, I think what I'm saying is I discounted the toll that it can take on your mind, your body and your soul. Yeah. And so that's what I'm working for now. Yeah. If and that that's makes sense. So important. I mean, it's for Tell anyone me, going through any it. health challenges, therapy is crucial. You know, have having yeah. opportunities to kind of process through that is crucial. And I know that podcasting is a form of therapy. I mean, you and I both know that. When did you start your podcast? Oh, yeah. Which by the way, has the greatest name for a podcast. It's called Seizure <laughs> Salad. Seizure Salad. I love it so much. <laughs> um, when when in this four year journey with your um, with your seizures did you start that podcast? Uh, interesting enough. A quick aside. I was originally going to call it Shake and Bake, <laughs> but I realized that after a lot of Google searches, I realized that that term Shake and Bake. Uh, refers to uh, an in-house way to make meth. And I'm like, there's no, I do not want that's that. That's not the target audience. <laughs> there the may be some crossover, audience. but that's not what you're going for. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, Seizure Salad is a brilliant, brilliant name. Um, when, when did you start the podcast? Uh, I started it in January of 2020. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everything hit in april of 2019 and it, it it was a roller coaster and and um so when that dust settled i looked around and i'm like okay i lost everything um i can't live alone anymore i'm staying with a friend in arvada at the time um and uh i was like shit how do i work through this and i was like okay you've been a radio broadcaster and voice actor for fucking two decades. You, you know, that part, you have a professional home studio. You know, that part it's gaining dust. It's gathering dust, blow off the dust, do a little self therapy and just start talking. And that's what I did. Yeah. And so, yeah. So yeah. This uh, whole experience is, 
must be chronicled throughout the podcast. It is. It is. Uh, you know, some of the episodes are with different companies, foundations, organizations. Some of it is just what we like to call random fuster clockery. And, and that's just other epileptics getting with me and talking shit. But I also do a B-side diary, which really is very personal and it deals with what I am going through and where I'm going and what my plans are, what, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I totally want to make this, uh, kind of like a, a television station. So, so it's like you get your news, you get your entertainment, maybe even it's soap opera or something. And of course, a few infomercials from people like the foundation or yeah, what have you various companies that deal with epileptic shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? All I know is that I want to serve the people who gain value from this. And the whole reason I kept doing it, Jesse was because during that first few months, I got an email from a guy, um, who was like, wow, thank you so much. I was looking to maybe try and start a podcast. And then I searched online and found this and found this was like, he was like, this is it. This is what I need. Mm -hmm. So I invited him on the show. I sent him one of my USB microphones and I said, let's get with it, you know? And then another person emailed me and said that they'd listen to one of my B-side diaries, which I was talking about possible suicide, you know, suicidal ideation, things like that. And uh, she told me that she had taken all of her guns and given them to her neighbor and went to look for counseling because of that episode. Wow. I'm trying not to cry right now, man. That, <laughs> right, that right there was like, okay, even if you don't need it anymore, you still need to do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's why so I kept awesome. going. That's so cool. Yeah, and that's how we were connected is uh, uh, mutual acquaintance, Rachel, who has been on your podcast several times. Yep. And um, I was speaking oh, yeah. with her and talking about this podcast. And she's like, you got to check out Seizure Salad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I listened to a few episodes and that's how we, that's how we got in touch. Um, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I, I've said this a million times, but I'm such a big fan of channeling what you're going through with the challenges with your health into something creative into something productive, maybe something new that yeah. you never would have considered doing before because keeping your mind active and giving yourself something to care about and work towards is crucial. Oh God, yes. So crucial. You nailed it right there, man. You nailed it. And I think I, I think most creatives would probably feel the same way. And, and anyone out there that's going through stuff, just take a moment, step back, go for a walk, Ask yourself, what made you happy? What gave you the greatest creative outlet? Like, I'm starting two things. I'm starting to uh, get back into my banjo. I used mm. to play pretty pretty good banjo. Yeah, made me some money in Europe. And I'm getting back into fly fishing again. These are the kind of things. You, you get frustrated. You get pissed off. You get overwhelmed. And one of the reasons is you're not 
giving yourself, structuring yourself with time, your time. Nobody calls. No, you know, this is your time. What's it going to be? Is it going to be art? Is it going to be painting? Is it going to be playing music? Um, I plan to be on the Big Thompson River throwing a fly rod <laughs> and forgetting about everything else, turning off my phone and, and being completely disconnected for a few hours. It's important. Yeah. And it's so, it serves the self. Yeah. You know, the podcast serves me. I, 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 I mean, knowing, knowing what we've talked about, you and I feel the same way. The podcast kind of feeds you mm. and it pays it forward a little bit too. And it gives you, it gives you a better sense of meaning and purpose in the world. Absolutely. Um, well said. Yeah. Yeah. And paying it forward is very important. I think everybody should consider this and think about this and ponder on that a little bit more in their lives. When we're younger, things are easier oftentimes. And oh, we have God, yes. more energy and we take so much for granted. And as we get older and we face challenges, it becomes much more crucial to incorporate self-care into your life, to be intentional mm -hmm. about the things that you really want to be spending your time doing, to get fresh air, to go outside, to, to get yeah. a little exercise, you know, and I, I'm just coming out off of six years of um, being very non-functional and having a very difficult time doing much of anything. And I'm excited to tell you that story when I come on your podcast, cause that's what you and I are doing next, uh, on another day. Um, and I'll keep, I'll oh, keep, yeah. I'll keep our listeners updated when that happens. But, um, but that's when I learned the value of, you know, just go sit outside. Um, just go lie down in the sun and get a little bit of sun. And, you know, yeah. when, when my legs weren't working for years, when I eventually got a wheelchair, it's like, just go roll around just get outside. And I never knew how valuable that was. You know, I never knew how right. important that was to your mental and physical health to just exist in the world and not just be inside your house all day. Because when you're sick all the time, it gets really difficult to do anything other than be inside your house all day. But there are ways yeah. to do it. There are, there are ways to you know, find something that works for you. And it might not be what you want it to be, it might not be something you've considered before, but when you find something that feels good, just keep doing it, you know? And it, it's, so, it's so simple, but it took me intense illness to learn that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It took me, it took me my life turning upside down to, to really understand. I mean, I had little ideas of it and tastes of it before, but when it hit and I realized I couldn't do so much of what I used to do, it really made me look back and, and cherish what I had been able to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I also like what you said. It's there's a time and a place you, you get hold in you, especially after the first diagnosis and stuff, it, it's tough. And, and sometimes you physically can't get out, but as soon as you can, man, I mean, just being outside is, it's heavenly. Yeah. It, it, it's healing. That's the best way to put it. It's healing. Yeah. As long as you don't get a sunburn. <laughs> um, well, and that actually transitions me really well into my, my last question for you. So, You've been through a lot over the last few years. You've talked about the side effects of this medication, 
that brought about some suicidal ideation. You, your whole life was flipped up di- upside down. You lost all of these things that you had going on in your life. But here you are four years later as a cyborg with this little device in your head that's giving you a new lease on life, that's allowing you to do things again, that's, that you haven't had a seizure in months. And, and you're in this place where I love what you said about how even if you do have seizures, you're recording that information. So it's not a waste. It's not a loss. That's, there's still value in that. And I, I just love the way that your mindset has kind of allowed this success. But I, I can also hear that it was really hard and that there was a possibility of not making it through that. And there's so many people out in the world going through stuff like that right now. And I'm just curious to hear if you could address someone going through something similar, knowing that they're having a hard time making it, and you're someone who has made it through that, that maelstrom, what would you say? Um, you know, I would say that there's two things here. Number one, you value yourself more than you give credit for. Um, Because when you really, really get down into the depths, it's like that self-love comes into play, right? Uh, Number two, and maybe even more important for some people, is that regardless of what you think, there is somebody out there who needs you as far as needs your presence not like an not not the codependent enabling shit but you know what i mean somebody whose life would be less bright without you there and one of the things that kept me of course was my son i mean you know he's been a victim and a warrior and a savior in my epilepsy journey uh since it all happened and then you know other stuff from a pre the divorce and all that shit but knowing that those people need you not financially not um in any kind of like service type of way but the people they need you because they love you and that's the big thing. That's what got me through. That's what made me realize that I had to keep going. Mm. And the whole ideation stuff that came into mind was bullshit. And if you're lucky, um, friends, random friends from all over uh, will call you, will contact you. It's like, hey, haven't seen you in a while. Haven't heard on, you on Facebook. Haven't, you know, how you doing? Those things, those little things, none of the, uh, those little things meant more to me than big progressions in my treatment. You know, those people that were there for me and sent their love and their support and their compassion. That's it. Honestly, there's really not much more in the world. Everything else builds toward that in my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like another lesson you've taken from all this is the importance of the people in your life, which is huge. Yeah. You know, what are we living for if not to to be loved and to love others? Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Micah, awesome job today. You totally blew my mind. That was, uh, <laughs> your story is incredible. I'm, 
I feel like we caught you at a really amazing moment in your journey where you're just fresh into having this RNS device that is working. And what an incredible story to share. And I know we've only covered a piece of your journey. So if people want to hear more from you, you have a whole podcast. Tell our listeners where they can go to find Seizure Salad or any other social media, anything at all you'd like to plug. So my podcast is uh, based on it's it's created through the Podbean platform. So you can find it there. But just look up seizuresalad.org or Seizure Salad Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. The Facebook page for it, I do believe, is Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. Um, but type that in. I guarantee you nobody else has got that in their subtitle. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so seizuresalad.org gets you to the website and give you a couple of links and get you to the episodes. And that's what I want mostly. But get on the Facebook site to to get back to me or share whatever. It's awesome. appreciated, man. Yeah, and I I know yeah. Podbean broadcasts their your your podcast feed out all over the place. Oh yeah, we're on Spotify, yeah. Apple, Google. Um, yeah, we're we're my RSS feed is everywhere. So yeah. just awesome. look it up on your favorite platform. It'll it'll most likely be there. Awesome. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just started listening recently. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, lots of fun conversations and it's shorter than this podcast. So it's like nice little bite-sized episodes that, um, that are a lot of fun. So I love what you're doing. I'm blown away by your story. I'm so glad that Rachel connected us. Thank you, Rachel. This has been an absolute blast. Micah, yes. thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you again. And we're going to do that over on my side. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to be back here as well. So, yeah, if you have updates in the future, please let me know. And we'll we'll share them with with our audience here. Absolutely. Most definitely. Thank you so much, Jesse. Take care of yourself. Unexpect the expected. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick, and our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.